Welcome to the Farcast. Over 200 episodes and still going strong, bringing you experts and insiders to help you navigate the investing landscape. Now, here's your host, Michael Farr. Welcome to the Farcast. I am Michael Farr. Thanks so much for joining us again this week. And top of the morning to all of our listeners in Ireland this morning and happy St. Patrick's Day to you. It's a lovely day here in the United States and we wish you were here with us. We hope that you enjoy a lovely day over on the Emerald Isle. We're going to have a meeting this evening, of course, uh, of the Society of the Friendly Sons of St. Patrick. Uh, I'm a former president, of course, of the Society of the Friendly Sons, and we're based in Washington, D.C. And sadly, again this year, to all of my uh, brothers and sisters of Irish heritage, we're going to be virtual. But I promise, folks, this is the last year. We'll be there in person next year where we can raise a glass uh, to each other in the good St. Patrick uh, and all of our wonderful Irish ancestry. Well, of course, this morning, uh, we're looking at a number of things. And I'll stop the Irish accent just so I don't drive you crazy. But when I do go to Ireland, ladies and gentlemen, I practice my brogue and I ask my, the drivers and, and everybody I talk to, folks in restaurants, help me criticize. When you hear the American twang, you got to tell me. And uh, I go over to the UK when I get, when I get into uh, England, they think I'm Irish. And some of the Irish will tell me that they think I'm from somewhere in central Ireland, somewhere near Tipperary, uh, because it's a very kind of, uh, they can't tell it's an indistinguishable accent. I like it. If I'm getting that close, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> Fed raised rates yesterday. Shocker. Wow. The Fed raised rates. They, it was the most broadcast, well-rehearsed, well-advertised rate hike, I think, in history. I mean, if you could think of something more opposite than the days of Alan Greenspan when they wouldn't tell you anything and they'd surprise you in the middle of the night and he'd roll his eyes when you'd ask him why and he'd give you an explanation that was unintelligible. Well, uh, this was the opposite. And they say they're going to raise it every meeting and you get seven rate hikes and maybe three the following year and maybe some bigger, maybe some smaller. This is a lot of rate hikes, folks. This is more than I expected. And I still continue to think that the Fed gets this wrong. I continue to think the Fed gets this wrong. I think that they will trigger inflation. Uh, I mean, they will trigger a recession. We've already got inflation. Why do we have the inflation? We have inflation for a lot of reasons, but mostly we have inflation because the Fed caused inflation. Now they got to figure out how they're going to get the toothpaste back in the tube. Good luck, fellas. Um, and yes, you want to blame Ukraine? I know. I mean, for Jay Powell, Ukraine's got to be the best thing that's ever happened, right? Because he can blame them now for oil. He can blame them for the lack of supplies in, in grain and everything else. When you are hearing all of this, also keep in mind that Toyota announced this morning that they're going to produce about 150,000 fewer vehicles worldwide in April because of supply chain and chip issues. So forget about Ukraine. Forget about what you're seeing here. There's still a supply chain issue that's going to decrease supply of automobiles and those prices are staying high. And it doesn't matter a damn what J-PAL does with interest rates over the next couple of months. Don't forget, too, that they've got a very big portfolio, $9 trillion. They can start selling that. That creates a supply of bonds hitting the market. That takes rates up, too. He has a lot of tools. Uh, that he can use if he wants rates higher, we'll see. I think he's still nervous about what's going on in Ukraine around the world and the supply chain issue, and I think he should be. What are markets are going to do about all of it? What are markets going to do? But markets went up and had a big rally yesterday. Uh, it was kind of one of those knee-jerk rallies you see uh, on, on the news. Buy the news. It's never a really good idea. Uh, we're going to ask Kenny Polcari about that in just a second. Buy the news. You never buy the news. You sell the news. Maybe this is different this time. We're going to ask Kenny. But there was a big rally. Why? Well, the economy's not bad, and at least we have a plan now out of the Fed. It looks like the Fed's going to take real control here of this inflation situation, and they mean it. And markets are basically relieved because almost ubiquitously, markets have felt that the Fed was behind the curve. Professional investors thought that the Fed was too long, too late in raising these rates. So we now go to the CEO of Case Capital Advisors, the voice of the New York Stock Exchange for many years, and the one man 
much older than I am, who's about ready to have a birthday in a week and turns 61 years old, if you can believe it, ladies and gentlemen, Kenny Polcari. Welcome back, Kenny. Michael, it's a pleasure. I got to tell you, I'm very impressed with your Irish brogue. I thought we were going to do the whole thing in Irish brogue, and I'm figuring out how am I going to compete with this? I couldn't. Polcari, you know, Polcari isn't going to isn't going to do that. No, no, I mean, no you know, Polcari is not going to compete and for with some, an Irish brogue. I, I, I don't know what it is. I mean, you know, as long as I'm Irish, which I've got my, my grandfather was Michael Francis Keogh, and he was from County Cork. Uh, the family's from County Cork, also County Roscommon. Uh, and plus a whole lot more on, on both. I'm 98% these genealogical things, 23 and Mises, I'm 98% English and Irish. Well, look at me. Is that a shock to anybody for God's sakes? The blue hair, the white, you know, white hair, blue eyes. I mean, I haven't done the blue hair thing yet, but the blue eyes and the white hair and, and, and enough... <laughs> And enough little skin cancers to keep any dermatologist in business forever. You know, my we, my people were not made for the sun. Now, your people were, Kenny. Yes. Yes, they were made for the sun. <laughs> and we're still made for the sun. And you're and down I in Florida, Florida enjoying the sun. Beautiful. Tell me about markets and what do you thought, think about what the Fed did yesterday? So like you said, you you hit the nail on the head when you when you opened up. It was the most publicized Fed meeting I think there ever was. And to your point... Uh, Alan Greenspan would never have done this. Never. Remember, they used to step out from behind the curtain, come to the podium, say something, fold up the book and turn around and walk away. They didn't hold your hand. They didn't give you a Xanax. They didn't say, are you okay? They just did it. Jay Powell and the Fed, you know, they prepared everybody for weeks and weeks and weeks. And so he didn't really disappoint. I will say, though, he left the door open to suggest if these 25 basis point gentle hikes don't work, and he reserves the right to become more aggressive. Hey, uh, I, I, I heard a rumor that at this Fed meeting, after they raised rights, Jay Powell gave every uh, Fed governor a trophy. I, I heard they all got a trophy, Kenny, uh, for this. Well, listen, everyone gets a trophy. You know, how everybody gets a trophy. Everybody gets exactly a trophy. what was expected of them. Right, exactly right. And so he made this comment. Notice the markets had been up. He first came, when he first came out, the the Dow actually kind of took a hit, went from plus three hundred to you know down forty relatively quickly, and then back into you see where it closed. It, it had a great day, ended up closing up five hundred some up points, one and a half percent as he talked. I think at times though, if you listen to his speech, to me he felt a little bit nervous, like almost not even sure that he believed what he was saying, right about inflation, about the rate of inflation, about the pace of interest rate hikes and even the pace of quantitative tightening, which now is going to begin as soon as next at the next meeting, which is May 3rd, May 4th, right? Because there is no April meeting. So we're going to talk about that now because that's expected to be at the swiftest pace in history, right? The last time they started the Titan was 2018, 2019, and they were doing it at the rate of about 50 billion a month. Now they want to do it somewhere between 75 and 100, I mean, 50 million a month. And now they want to do it between 75 and 100 million a month starting in May. So it's going to be very interesting these next couple of months. I still think there's a chance that the Fed will pause all of this probably after the summer. I think I just see prices going so high, you know, and their and their excuse here is that they've got room because the consumer is so strong because the savings rate is so high. Well, Kenny, a lot of people it. don't have savings. Right. right? I'm not buying and the people that. who are getting hit are the right. people who don't have the savings. And that they these are the people who where gas prices and food prices right. and rent. For God's sakes, rents continually rise. Shelter costs continue to rise. Right. I think the purchasing power erodes. We saw retail sales starting to waver a little bit. The consumer confidence index is down. Yeah. I, look, they could, they could, um, one, they, here are two separate things. One, they could have reason actually to pause the raking, the raising, hiking cycle at the end of the summer. They could have reason to do it. But more than that, they could get the nervous wobbles that you talked about, you know, that Jay Powell's not committed. So all of a sudden they get scared of their own shadow when exactly they should probably continue through and squelch right. this inflation once and for all. It's going to be painful somewhere, folks. It, no There's going to be it. pain here and you're not going to avoid it and make it okay for everybody. Right. And it is, and people should understand that. And I have to tell you something. I think that he was very clear that he expects 25 point rate hikes every meeting for the rest of the year, which is six more meetings, right? Because there's a couple, there's three months where there's no April and October and August, I guess there are no meetings, right? But what I'm fearful of is that inflation continues to move higher 
and doesn't even stabilize and that they go to make a move intra-meeting, right? So in one of those months when there's no meeting, which they could, they could come out at any moment and say, you know, uh, uh, that, that they're making, they're making, you know, this emergency move based on what they see. And that would be enough to send really investors and markets into a tizzy because that would suggest that they've lost complete control. Well, and that worse than so that, it's far behind the eight. Yeah, but worse than that, it's going to send the algos into a tizzy. Ex- and then well, you're okay, going to see a real reaction. Which is the problem, right? Because so much of it is controlled by these algorithms that aren't like you and me that can read the words and understand it when it's written in a, a news headline. We understand it. The algos, all they do is understand it. it's either positive or negative, and then they go into overdrive. These are computer trading uh, programs, uh, ladies and gentlemen, computer trading programs that move markets significantly on very little volume, very little money. And they're just trying to capture some fraction of a penny uh, in these trades. And they do that very well, by the way. They do it very well. They do it very quickly. But they can add a, they, they do add a whole lot of volatility to the stock market. And they make the average investor very nervous. They, well, they, and look, yesterday's a perfect example, right? The market had a great day yesterday. But if you noticed what happened, once the algos started to, started to perceive that this was all positive, the buy side algos got aggressive. But the sell side algos, they cancel in line. They move their offers up higher. There's a vacuum in prices, which causes the buy side algos to trip over each other. And they all try to fulfill these price increases. And look what you got. You got the Dow up one and a half percent. You got the, the NASDAQ up 3.7. You got the transports up five and a half percent as they trip over each other. Okay, and then listen, and that- the same was true on the way down in January and February. We're also hearing that there may be the terms of a deal that are possible now negotiated for some sort of ceasefire in Ukraine, some sort of withdrawal. We got rumors of that yesterday, and uh, we and that helped that rally in markets, I think, significantly. You, I don't know if you watched the price of nickel, fell 8%, limit down on the Saw London that. exchange yesterday. That's one of those uh, metals of course, produced in Ukraine and the shortage and the difficulty in exporting has driven those prices much higher. You start even whispering of peace and you're going to get dramatic, volatile market moves. Okay, but wait, did you see the headline this morning that came out right right before I got in this phone with you, that the Kremlin came out and not only is he, he took a swipe at Biden for Biden called him a war criminal yesterday. Number one, he took a swipe at Biden. Number two, he said he doesn't care what the allies think. And number three said that his, that his, his, his instructions are very clear that he will enter peace talks once Ukraine surrenders, period, the end. There's no talks until you surrender. Otherwise, it's full force ahead. So now in the last 20 minutes, U.S. futures have turned lower once again. But that's OK, too, because they had such a, a dramatic day yesterday. You would expect there's going to be some pullback. There'd be some pullback. What do you think about the buy the news yesterday? There was no news yesterday. Was it the was it the sort of proffered peace talk sort of maybe agreement news that uh, rallied, or was it Jay Powell? I've finally gotten my uh, head uh, out of the dark, <laughs> out of the dark, and and done something here. Yes, I think that was it. But I also think the market short. Yes, what what you think, what was it? It was it was the piece or yeah, it was no no no. I think no no. I think most of it was Jay Powell. So why would you buy on really that? Believes, we all knew it was I, coming. I don't think anyone really believes the peace talk. Everyone wants the peace talks to happen, but I don't really think that they think that 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 Putin is serious about doing anything peaceful, especially now that the U.S. has promised Ukraine more military equipment. Now he's even more entrenched in this fight. So I actually think that the rally yesterday was a little bit of the markets had been in a way oversold position. I thought that it needed to bounce a little bit, that kind of this relief rally. But I think we're going to bounce right up to resistance, which is 44.50 on the downtrending, both the downtrending 200-day and the downtrending 50-day moving averages, where I think it's going to run into some resistance. And now if there's more talk of, you know, as people digest his comments from yesterday, as they understand that potentially he left the door open to become more aggressive if he needs to, then I think you're going to see this this uh, back and forth and increase in volatility. So, no, I, 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 I'm not necessarily saying the worst is over, but I'm also not saying light your hair on fire and sell everything. That's ridiculous. Really fast. Never in your life have I ever heard you say light your hair on fire and sell everything. <laughs> I mean, that's always the worst advice you ever hear from anybody. Agreed. A thousand okay. percent. So I'm not saying that. That's Kenny's not going to ever, ever say that. Neither, neither, is, neither is far. Uh, right. Kenny, we're out of time. We got to go. We had something really unfortunate happen earlier. It's, it's not unfortunate. It's just an unfortunate name. Technically, in the technical chart patterns, we saw something occur called a death cross. Isn't yeah. that an awful name? It's just an awful it name. 
death cross occurred in the chart patterns for the S&P 500. On what does that mean? And when you see that we're going, you said we're going up to resistance, which is one of those technical terms on the S&P. It means right. he's reading charts, ladies and gentlemen. And a lot of people do. So it's worth listening to. But right. what does that death cross thing mean for Fred and Ethel, Kenny? So, so the death cross just means that when the short term, when the short term uh, trend line crosses down and through the longer term trend line, which, by the way, happened in the Russell in December, happened in the Nasdaq in January and happened in uh, the Dow in February. So three of the indexes are already in that death cross. You've seen them move lower. The death cross typically suggests further weakness ahead. Now, it doesn't suggest a complete fallout. It just su suggests further weakness. Now, what's interesting is we that happened on Monday when the markets were weak. And then we've had this relief kind of bounce back rally over a couple of days. So everyone's kind of poo-pooing the idea. Don't be so quick because the resistance is right where the death cross happened. That's 44.50. So if we trade right back to that point, then I think we're going to hit plenty of sellers and it'll force the market lower again. Again, it's no reason to get nervous and you know run out the door. Not at all. I'm just suggesting you understand kind of the technical performance of what could happen in the market. To your point, a lot of people watch it. A lot of people trade technically. So it's an important concept to understand. But underneath all of this, we've got fundamentals improving for S&P 500 companies, by and large. They're continuing to earn more money. They're not earning as much more money as quickly, but they're still on a positive trend. And by the way, folks, don't forget, we had a 26% year last year uh, for the S&P. We're down, what, 12% maybe? This is not a crisis here. And markets go down. This one may go down further. And, you know, Warren Buffett, to hear him sharpening his pencil, he's going to add a few things in here. It isn't awful. This supply chain stuff's going to be with us. And the one thing, one thing, any of you want to join me in making a guarantee to our listeners? Here's the guarantee from far. You're going to have a good deal more volatility throughout the balance of 2022. What do you think? No doubt about it. Absolutely. A thousand percent. They're going to have. And so people should understand that, right? They should understand that because, and I think the volatility is really going to last through the summer. I do think the second half of the year, you might see, see some stabilization once investors in the markets get comfortable with where the Fed is going. I feel that way too, but it could be just wishful thinking. I'm could never be. really sure. I mean, you know, but uh, in the meantime, you know, you're still best advised to, you know, don't listen to the TV every minute of the day. Do listen today at noon because I'm on from noon until <laughs> one for CNBC. You do want to listen to that. But otherwise, you can, you know, turn it off for a little while. And, uh, uh, and, and also take your Dramamine and, and know that it's going to be a bit of a bumpy ride here, okay? It's going to be a bumpy ride. We've had bumpy rides before. We'll get through this together. Kenny Pokari, CEO of Case Capital Advisors, the voice of the New York Stock Exchange. You're going to join me, uh, not on your birthday, Kenny, but very close to it. You know I'm going to mention it on this panel. We're speaking together up in Manhattan on the 30th. And... Uh, <laughs> Boy, that's going to be big too. I'll bring you a report from the uh, from the big Manhattan Polcari Far and Link uh, little trio up there that we're going to have, ladies yes, and gentlemen. And I... When we come back, Dan Mahaffey and what's going on in Ukraine and China and everywhere else? Are we really talking to the Iranians about supplying us oil and thinking they're going to be nice about it? When we come back on the Farcast, please stay with us. We're glad you could join us this week on the Farcast. Now back to your host, Michael Farr. Welcome back to the Farcast and happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody here on March the 17th, 2022. Uh, joining me now is another uh, brother from the old sod, is uh, my good friend, of course, uh, Dan Mahaffey from the Center of the Study of the Presidency and the Congress, uh, which they've been doing for a long time. And as you know, they study the presidency and the Congress so that you don't have to. Because so it's all a bit of shite. Well, it is. It is. But uh, as long as you have a little bit of Jameson's with it, you're not uh, You're not going to be worried too much, I don't think. <laughs> oh, top of the morning. Bothered. Top of the morning. Top of the morning to you. All right. So... Uh, Mr. Mahaffey, and uh, I promised, I did promise listeners that I wouldn't do the entire show uh, with me broke. But, <laughs> oh, you know, once, you know it's, it, it, it is a bit difficult because once you start, you know, you, you start down the road, uh, it's, it's very, it's, it's, it's very once hard. you start down that road, the wind is always at your back. 
It is. The wind's always at the back. The sun is always shining and God is always holding you gently in the palm of his hand. How can you say no to such a day? Uh, Dan, let's start today with Washington. What's happening yes. on Capitol Hill, our Congress? Let's do it quickly because we have a lot to get to. Yeah, look, we're still focusing. Are they going to move on this conference on these innovation bills? I think that's the main vehicle for a lot of stuff right now. Again, we've talked about this investments in chips, R&D, competitiveness. It's a big thing for, for tech companies. Uh, on that, on one hand, you have that. I think it's a it's a testament to Washington, the oxymoron, too, of they want to regulate big tech. They're looking at that. Again, I think there's no agreement, though. They, they share an analysis of the problem, but no agreement on the regulations there. So that's bogged down. And then, of course, everything as we jostle for the midterms is about gas prices, inflation, uh, Look, the the sanctions on Russia, the, the effect that's had on oil prices, sure, they're acknowledging that. Uh, there's talk back and forth proposals about gas tax holiday because you've seen states do that, uh, what that would reduce from the cost of, of gasoline, you know, 20 cents, 30 cents, depending on the state, uh, but also taking off the federal ones. They don't like that, though, because that's how we're paying for the, the latest infrastructure bill. So there's other things, you know, even having cash payments out to folks to defray energy costs or some kind of, uh, I hate to say the word in an inflationary environment, stimulus. So they, they want to call it a, a, a gasoline rebate or something like that. You know, we were talking about this with Polkari. You go through a period like this, rates are going up. We have inflation. This will be painful. And if you want to stop, come in and, and try to prevent all of the pain by sending out more money, you're going to exacerbate the problem. You're not solving anything. You're just making the tearing right. off of the Band-Aid a very, very slow and tortuous process. Don't do it. Just but, please don't do it. We've got to go through right. a painful period. Take your Dramamine, do whatever you have to do. We, we didn't go through a huge depression when we hit this pandemic and and we we stayed out of it and there's a cost to be paid and we can pay it now better than we could have paid it then and look where markets are and look where housing prices are and look where wages are everything is higher everybody's getting a little bit more money this is not going to be pleasant but we've got to go through it you're not you know uh nobody gets out of this life alive and uh, right. there's death, taxes, inflation, yes. and recession. I think we can add to those. They're all guaranteed. Well, it's but Michael, it's a, it's an even-ended year. We've got a midterm, and no one runs on the eat your vegetables platform. No, and nobody wins. You know, any big majority with oil with mean, gasoline prices at five dollars, and you know, mil, a gallon of milk over six bucks. It just it just you, that 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 we've proven it. George Bush learned it the hard way, um, and and we'll see if. Uh, President Biden learns it again. It's all going to be still from everybody we talk to by how many seats the Democrats are going to lose. But it's a it's a lock yeah. uh, for the Republicans to take over the House. Now, if you want to hear scary words, ladies and gentlemen, I just said them out loud. It's a lock in Washington. Nothing's a lock in Washington. So uh, hold all tickets is the best advice you can get at the track. And uh, when watching Washington politics. Dan, uh, let's go overseas. We saw uh, President Zelensky yesterday talk to uh, a joint session of Congress. Wow, that was big. What did that tell you? Well, one, I think you you saw how the Ukraine circumstance and the, the, the aggression by Russia has united the Congress in ways that our politics had previously split us. I think seeing them together kind of hushed and awed in the chamber and, and a, a testament too to how uh, Zelensky's leadership and ability to communicate has been so vital to the Ukrainian effort. But it's definitely cementing further U.S. support for the Ukrainians, more weapons, more stingers, uh, javelins, new weapons, the the switch uh, switchblade, which is a, a fascinating thing. Imagine a, a mortar that then get then pop wings out and fly around for six miles before it then is steered to its target. Uh, these are things that are uh, pretty 
uh, impressive kit that we're going to be giving the Ukrainians, along with a, quite a bit of money, billions of dollars. Uh, and the, the U.S. is very adamantly saying that we're on the Ukrainian side for this. And if this conflict is going to uh, bog down, it appears the Russians have kind of uh, stalled in many ways, uh, although don't that that's no solace to the cities they're grinding down slowly uh the the fact of the matter is that there's heavy kit going and we are increasingly uh siding in a conflict uh, clearly against russia paul Kari and i were discussing yesterday's market rally as perhaps on the news that there is sort of a structure for some sort of a ceasefire in one of the russian politicians, uh, leading senior, whatever those guys are who go out and say things like this to the press, was that they sort of had the tenants in place for some sort of a solution. And Pokari goes, yeah. And then did you hear what, Pok- what, what Putin said? Putin says, yeah, we can negotiate after Ukraine surrenders, period. Um, it, we've been seeing President Putin painted as someone who's starting to be very, who's, who's become very isolated yeah. and perhaps less rational. And, uh, you know, is this a madman in the corner? You know, I, I, I picture uh, uh, some, some of those yeah. old Pink Panther movies while he plays the uh, organ, you know, and, 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 the, and, and, the, and the castle gets yeah. evaporated in the <laughs> yeah. world annihilation. I mean, yeah, the, the Bond, like Bond villain esque type stuff. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Is, but, but look, look yeah. is this just press spin that Putin's <laughs> losing it because. Uh, or what, what do you make of President okay, Putin's yeah. health? Give us give us real facts. Well, I think I think first let's look at the that rational balance first and and, and the negotiations. One with the weapon we were sending, the, the sanctions we've slapped on, we've made it abundantly clear the price if they continue. Uh, I oh, think let what, me tell you something. The price right now has has so devastated the Russian economy. I think it'll take ten years. I think 10 years for them to climb. Well, I, I think beyond that, and some of the moves they've made, this could be a whole separate discussion. A, a, a risk department is going to look at Russia like Equatorial Guinea now. When, when you look at oh. how they've how they've seized assets and, you know, you're never even when sanctions are gone. I think the, the world is going to be loath to, to invest in there and look at it like it wants. The cost to, of so. their debt is, is yes. through the roof. Their currency is worthless. So, I mean, the structural problem. So we, uh, we've laid out the costs. What we haven't laid out are the what are the benefits of pulling back? What are actually if you do come back to the table? I don't think we've been as, as clear on that. We're right now we're just about raising the cost, raising the, the infliction of pain. And I think that that's an important part of it. Somehow you also have to signal the off ramps. And I'm not sure how we've done that. And that's the challenge, because with Putin, one, we're seeing him get angrier. We're seeing him get uh, the the language he's used about dis- destruction, surrender, uh, total annihilation. He's talked about rooting out traitors at home. Yes, there's lots of rumors about his health. Uh, I think rumors that he's either have some neurodegenerative disease. The the Brits and others have said that he Are has, they just has rumors? Parkinson's. I mean, I, he looked puffy. Like you see, when I saw puffy. He, he looks like a lot of people have openly speculated he's someone who takes steroids. The way he uh, that puffiness. The way he has to stay away from people during COVID. That that he's been immunocompromised because of the steroids. Therefore, he's isolated away from people. You see all this pattern. You see it in his thought. I don't think you say he. there's the irrationality because there's still a way, you still have to find a way to negotiate out of this. And yes, you have to You have to balance that. Because look, you've seen they've, they've bombed hospitals. They bombed the buildings clearly marked that there's children in there. You, 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 the bile builds in the back of your throat when you, when you see this and, and hear about it. But at the same time, you're going to have to find a way to to negotiate out of this some way and present off ramps unless we want to say that look that we're willing for this to go on for years and accept the idea of russia becoming more and more something like a giant north korea and so where, where does where does where is the benefit you you sort of alluded to it what's where's where's a benefit for putin to take an off ramp here uh, to simply to re-engage the economy, to finally cut at least some of the uh, this the the sanctions that are going to squeeze their their crown jewels of the oil and gas to at least you know let the oligarchs send their kids back to Nice, France once in a while, all those kinds of things to uh, you know that they they you know you can kind of present some of those back and uh, you know the the damage is still done in many ways, but you you have to at least show that there there's a way. I, I think. 
think it's similar to, uh, you know, we haven't even talked about this, with our negotiations with the Chinese, where it seems like that they're at a decision point whether to go all in furthermore with Russia to support the Russians. Uh, you know, we've heard that the, you know, the Russians are, are under-equipped, apparently asking the Chinese for uh, uh, rations, MREs, military food like that. Um, I will say as someone who ate a Chinese MRE, um, by all means, give them to the Russians, just, just as many, uh, you know, please, China, send your military rations to to the Russians. It, it'd be the best thing the Ukrainians military could, rations, could do. Military rations in China consist of uh, some rice? There are some rice you reheat, and, and what I was told was pork, but it was in kind of a sauce that had turned a green and then kind of that shimmer that you see in the gasoline puddles at a at a at a fuel station. Oh, how like, do you spell tasty? Yes. Um, hey, and yesterday in the Wall Street Journal, I was elated to see an article uh, that that said basically Farr's predictions made uh, early uh, last fall were coming true. All of a sudden, the the economic uh, situation in China has gotten to be so difficult for Xi Jinping that they're starting to ease up. Hey, China, hey, China, you've been saying that the, that the US and Western world would take profits over principle. How do you like us now? You're gonna give up on your principles of uh, world domination and controlling all of uh, anything that looks like capitalism. You decided now you needed an economy? Good for you. Is it too late for President Xi? Because this article was suggesting that Xi was seeing cracks in the support and perhaps he wouldn't stay president for life. What do you think, Dan? We got to do it quickly. I got to go. Well, I think that's actually where we can incentivize those on the uh, the economic minded side. Those are the rivals to Xi. And we're saying, look, this you can choose the autocrat life, the, the Putin world, or you can be part of the capitalist world where we trade, where we have commerce. And a lot of the Chinese leadership understand how they've benefited from having that kind of economy and playing by the rules and, and and perhaps you know we'll find a, a new uh, a new condominium with Beijing in, in the future if we can work together on this. I think that's the benefit. But this is clearly a choice, and it's she's China is not the one that looks like it would be like that. So supporting that message of look, China, you have a choice. I think would be very effective. Do you in- agree that? Will you agree with the journal's assessment that? Uh- Perhaps. Look, I do. You see this. You see the talk about that. The, Bloomberg's talking about it, too, this morning, that they're going to relax some of the crackdown on the tech Yeah, but companies. is there a chance she goes? I don't think there's a chance she goes because that would be too disorderly. Too disorderly for China. China has but, to. But, that, but again, we still have the wild card. Look, if, if Omicron gets out of control there, if this market crash collapses, it, never say never in China, because when things turn there, they do turn quickly. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan Mahaffey from the Center of the Study of the Presidency and Congress, our great friend and the senior political analyst here on the Firecast. When we come back, our great friend and my colleague now, Stephanie Link uh, from Hightower Advisors. She is the chief equity strategist. I am the chief market strategist. We're going to cover everything markets, everything interest rates, what we should be doing as investors when we come back on the Firecast here on St. Patty's Day. Please stay with us. Michael Farr and the Farcast are proud to support Heroes, Inc. Heroes supports the spouses and children of law enforcement officers and firefighters who gave their lives in the line of duty to the greater Washington, D.C. community. Their singular goal is to honor the supreme sacrifice made by these individuals by caring for their families. Heroes' work begins within 24 hours of the tragic loss continues indefinitely. We invite you to learn more about Heroes' mission at heroes.org. We hope that you will consider supporting Heroes as they endeavor to honor those who protect us. That's heroes.org. Heroes, here for you, here for good. And now, back to the Farcast and your host, Michael Farr. Thank you for joining us on the Farcast. And now, back to your host, Michael Farr. 
Welcome back to the Farcast, and again, happy St. Patrick's Day to all of you today here on March the 17th, 2022. A great Farcast we've had this morning, and I'm really grateful to my guest, Kenny Pokari, who sort of only understands at a distant St. Patrick's Day, you know, he struggles with it. Though his recipe today was for corned beef and cabbage, and I give him great props for that, even though he cooked them in a crock pot and some sort of slow cooker, uh, he, he does add a bit of Guinness to uh, the corned beef when he's cooking it. So it's, it's, he's, he's on the right track. It's tough to, tough to trust anyone with a name like Polkari when they're cooking corned beef, but, but, but they add a little Guinness and they, they get over the line. We Irish, we're very inclusive, you know. And then Dan Mahaffey, of course, who understands everything from the Emerald Isle, uh, I think very well, was also providing us insights into some of uh, his celebrations. You know, it's always a little bit better uh, every day to be Irish. Uh, now, ladies and gentlemen, I've sort of promised a couple of different times I'd stop using my stupid brogue, but it's hard when you get started. You just get on a roll and you go with it. Yeah. Uh, segment three, what a terrific. We're so lucky, folks. Uh, my colleague and great friend, Stephanie Link, uh, the uh, chief investment strategist from Hightower Advisors, um, is with us this morning, a CNBC contributor, and you know, uh, you know, she's one of the brightest people we ever get to talk to. Wonderful now to be able to work with her. We finally figured out how we were going to do that. And um, I, I'm just, you know, beyond being one of the brightest stars in Wall Street's sky, she is one of the nicest people you ever want to meet. Steph, welcome back. Thank you, Michael. It's such a nice introduction. It's great to be here. We are glad you're here. Stephanie, the Fed did what they said they were going to do. Markets rallied, and it looked like people bought the news. Why do you buy the news? I thought you were supposed to sell the news on Wall Street. Did they do the right thing? And is, are we, was that the all clear sounding and everybody should just jump back into the stock market? Uh, well, we have corrected quite a bit. Um, so the expectations were really low. But you know better than I, over the years, the market just doesn't like uncertainty. So we just had to get through, I think, the first meeting of the Fed and listen to what they had to say. And I thought the chairman did a very good job in terms of talking about having to raise rates. The dot plots show that uh, the expectations are for seven this year, seven hikes this year, and four next year. That was a surprise to me. That was a little bit more hawkish, but it signaled that they realize they are finally behind the curve, right? We've known this forever, that they have not been keeping up with the inflation expectations, nor the growth, quite frankly. Um, unemployment is where their mandate is at. So to be honest, it's just they had to really focus on the inflation side, and I think they're going to do it. Now, look, a lot can happen between now and even the end of the year. So right. just because we say dot plots, it sounds so fancy, but those are just what expectations are for the median at this point in time. But I really believe after they do four hikes, they will be more data dependent. Uh, they will see what happens in Russia and Ukraine. They will see what happens in Europe overall. Is that, does that economy, does that go into a recession? And what happens with China? So I think we are in for at least four hikes. Uh, then we become data dependent. Oh, by the way, I don't think even seven hikes is going to change in the inflation outlook. It's going to be the supply chain that right. fixes that. So, so I know what they're doing. They're trying to slow things down. Okay, but we still have to get through the supply chains because we still have a heck of a lot of inflation. In my market commentary today for my weekly market commentary that we write, and we send it out, of course, to Hightower Advisors and to the subscribers for our Farmiller in Washington market commentary. Uh, it's free. Um, you can write H Jennings at farmiller.com. He'll add you to that, to that list. I go through basically the risks of recession and the Fed's overstep. And I talk about inflation and what's causing inflation and what I think the Fed's missing. And one of the things that I think the Fed's missing when they talk about strong consumer balance sheets and a high savings rate is that over half of the country does not have a savings rate. And it's that half of the country precisely that are going to be most impacted by these higher gasoline prices, commodity prices, grocery prices, and shelter costs as rents continue to rise. So uh, if you basically squelch off turn the squelch knob down so hard that you no longer hear that inflationary noise. If we're two thirds driven by the consumer and you've got half of the consumers out there without any additional buying power, how much purchasing power are you going to remove if you continue to go past four rate hikes? It's why I've been saying I didn't think we needed more than four. You know, maybe we do. 
But certainly Wall Street likes the idea that we have a plan. The thing I worry about, Stephanie, is when we get those three or four rate hikes and we get to the summertime and rates are 100 basis points higher, I'm not sure if the Fed should still be raising rates that they will indeed still raise rates because I think they might feel too nervous. I think they might get the wobblies and not do what they should do for political reasons or just old fear. What do you think? I think it's one of the, first and foremost, it's the most important question. It's the most important topic, right? Can they get it right? And I think, can they get it right? Can they engineer a soft landing? And that's what we didn't get resolution from that from yesterday. So I know there was euphoria because we got past the news and we got past the meeting, right? And then of course there were some scuttlebutt about Russia, Ukraine making some progress, which turns out not to be the case. So there was some Talking. there was some euphoria there. But I think that's it's the number one question, and I don't expect the Fed to get it right um, because we have not in my lifetime, in my 30 years, and and in yours, and you're even in this business longer than me. I don't think we've ever seen a Fed that has gotten it right. Um, what I think is going to be important, though, is do they do it methodically or are they going to be Paul Volcker and really do it really aggressively? Um, do What I mean by that is, okay, they did 25 basis points hike to yesterday. Do they go 50 the next time and then 50 the next time? Um, that to me would, would be worrisome because I think they really don't know how to get themselves out of this mess because we've never had this kind of liquidity in the system before. So I just feel like that is something that is going to be <clears throat> nagging at all of us. And that's why I say they'll be data dependent. Do they overstep on the rate side? Maybe, uh, but we're at such a low level. And even if you get of, of rates, so you know it's going to take us a long time to get back to a, a bigger number. Um, I think we have time on that, right? And I also uh, I think that um, what's what's really important though is going to be to your point: how does the consumer respond? If we get rate increases at the same time we get supply chain eases, that might not be a bad combination. Might not be a bad combination at all. I think that the odds, and I've been saying it for quite a while, I think the odds that they get it right are very low. Yeah. I mean, just historically, they're very low. This is not me being doom and gloom. I'm just telling you, I look at data. We, we, we right. study numbers. This is not you know holding your finger into the wind kind of analysis. This is just looking at the numbers. And the numbers say nine of the last 13 raising cycles, hiking cycles, tightening cycles, nine of the last 13 going back to the 50s uh, uh, have ended in recession. This is a much more difficult situation. And by the way, there are external forces that are leading to this inflation that the Fed's hikes will not address. You're not going to address the hikes in grain, other commodities uh, from the Ukraine. Uh, we saw the Toyota this morning said they're going to cut supply in, uh, they expect they're going to cut supply in April by something like 150,000 vehicles worldwide because they can't get chips. Our Fed raising rates uh, to to try and stop, you know, lower the money supply basically, or make money more expensive, so that so we remove some purchasing pressure. That's not going to affect anything to do with those chips. It's not going to put any more cars out there from Toyota, and it's going to keep car prices high and used car prices high. So, and most, and most importantly, to what to what you alluded to earlier, wages and rents. This is wages. not going to impact wages and rents and wages and rents are the most sticky part of, of, in, of inflation. The one thing, though, I'm, I'm curious what you think of this is if you go and do four rate hikes and then they look at they look at the data. Yes. that's what you and I think they should do. And yes. I hope that that's also in the back of their mind to some degree. That's only getting us back to normalized policy. We yeah. have right now emergency policy in place. Emergency, and in fact, they were buying, up until this month, they were buying just as many bonds as they bought back in April of 2020. Think about that. So all of a sudden, you now have a pivot, so that's okay, but you're coming off, as I mentioned before, such a low base, and you're just gonna normalize policy. I think, given where we are in the economy, that we can handle it. Yes, inflation is a problem. Yes, we have to watch the low end of that. Of that. But also at the same time, you have 2.6 trillion in excess savings. And you also have a consumer that continues to spend. I know everyone yesterday was focused on the miss right. in retail sales. But if you think about it on a year, a year over year basis, retail sales rose 17% and up 25% on a two year basis. 
And they're spending on services, on vacations, on travel, on leisure, on that part of the economy. Yes. They are There's so much pent up demand. So maybe we see a slowdown in the goods side of the economy, but the services side, I think, is going to be the driver from here. Then we'll have to we'll have to watch in terms of rates and inflation and all that stuff. But I think that's the momentum part of the economy that has yet to get going. The other side, of course, is what you and I do for a living, and that we manage stock and bond portfolios. You know, you go through these tumultuous times. You go through this volatility. And one of my predictions, Stephanie, I, I'm going to guess you're going to join me on this one. Is uh, I don't guarantee much, but I'm going to guarantee volatility for the next six months. That's going to stay with us. We, you come with me on that one? That's a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I don't see any way around it. So take your Dramamine, folks. We know that we know that we've got a rough road in front of us, and you're not going to avoid it. I mean, you're just not going to avoid it. But but in the fish market, they say, you know, ignore the yelling and the screaming, pay attention to the price of fish. You look at what's going on in earnings and in corporate America, and those earnings are increasing. Now, maybe at a little bit of slower rate, but they're still increasing. And with the prices coming down, price to earnings ratios are more reasonable. You look at a company like Accenture reporting today, Accenture, huge services company, technology support services uh, and consulting. Um, they beat top bottom bottom line. They've increased their forecast. It's not a recommendation to buy or sell any <laughs> security. That's just I'm just repeating the earnings, the earnings data that was released that were released this morning. That's all I'm doing, saying that those were good numbers because that's what it says all over the media. Well, you know, it's interesting, speaking of a few companies, Lennar had a very good number this morning. That was yesterday. This morning, we got very strong building permits and housing starts. I mean, the housing market is still strong. And the number one uh, issue, so says the Lennar management, is they just don't have the supply and they can't get the people and that the housing cycle will last longer and stronger because they've underproduced for the last 13 years. That I think is very interesting because we see rates going higher, mortgage rates are gonna be higher, it's going to be more expensive to own a home, but there is that demand. I, and I talk again about that pent up demand. How about American Express yesterday at their analyst day, reiterating yes. higher total revenue growth and 60% of the cards uh, were, came from the millennials and Gen Zs, the new Amazing. cards that were issued. So they're making progress. There is that demand. Maybe America Express still has the cachet, um, but uh, it is sort of interesting to hear what companies have to say. And then on the flip side, Ashland Chemical came out with a 15% price increase across every single product that they- Incredible. So, so we have these, the companies are doing the best they can in this environment. This is where though you and I kind of shine, right? Because we, we just focus on the fundamentals and we try to get the noise out of the way and like, look at right to your point, price to earnings, look at valuations, look at balance sheets, look at free cash flow. Um, and I think, you know, that's the way you want to go in this environment, in this very volatile environment. I think our job too is to do that sort of second derivative kind of thinking. When we see earnings like Lennar and when we see those reports saying that those home prices are gonna continue because supply hasn't been there. And you know, in your neighborhoods, folks, there's not that many houses for sale. Real estate you know, brokers and, and agents are saying, yeah, we're making good commissions. We just can't find stuff to sell. So we don't have the volume and it's not there. So, so we'll see some more building. But when Stephanie and I hear that, we think, huh, that means home value is going up. Folks are going to go to the home builder super center stores. They're going to keep doing the DIY projects. They're going to improve their homes. It's worth it for them to put more money in their homes. We're thinking about things like banks and will we see you know, second mortgages or some sort of refi or lines of credit? And when we see rates do this, we're thinking about those financial institutions. So yeah, this is what we get paid to do. And this is very different than just going out there and buying the index and being a passive investor. For sure. Amen to that. <laughs> Stephanie Link is the chief uh, investment strategist for Hightower Advisors, uh, my colleague and my friend. Thank you so much for being with us, Stephanie. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in New York in a couple of weeks. Uh, Stephanie Link is Chief Investment Strategist, Portfolio Manager, Portfolio Manager too, folks, at Hightower Advisors. Uh, thank you so much, Steph. Thank you, Michael. 
Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for another forecast here on March the 17th. I'm not going to do the accent again. Uh, we thank you very much for being with us. Please share us on your social media, will you? We love a few more viewers. It's great that you're with us or listeners. I guess we are podcasting here. We do this as a video. We may have to start releasing the video. We'll be back next week with another forecast. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Uh, God bless all of you. I'm Michael Farr. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of the Farcast. Thanks to Michael's guest. We love hearing from you every week, and we try to respond to all of your notes and suggestions. You can reach us at hjennings at farmiller.com. Let us know any questions you have and topics you'd like to hear us cover. Farcast comes to you weekly and is produced by Michael Farr and Harry Jennings, and it is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all major podcast platforms would like to remind you that the Farcast podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered legal or financial advice. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions expressed provided in this podcast, including by speakers who are not officers, employees, or agents of Far Miller and Washington or Hightower Advisors, are not necessarily those of Far Miller and Washington, Hightower Advisors, or any firm any of our guests may represent. Any mention of a specific security should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell, and please be aware that past performance is not a guide to the future performance of the security, index, fund, manager, or strategy. We strongly recommend you review with a financial professional before you make any investment decision. And if we can be of assistance at Bar Miller in Washington, please reach out to me at hjennings at barmiller.com. We are here to help and and I'll be happy to put any of our listeners in touch with one of our investment professionals for a complimentary review of your portfolio and your investment goals. Take care, stay safe, and stay healthy. Please share the forecast with friends and colleagues. Go beyond the headlines each week with the forecast. Wall Street, Washington, and the world. is a group comprised of investment professionals registered with Hightower Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Some investment professionals may also be registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. All information referenced here is from sources believed to be reliable. Far Miller and Washington and Hightower Advisors LLC have not independently verified the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. Hightower Advisors LLC, Far Miller and Washington, or any of its affiliates make no representations or warranties expressed or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the information or for statements or errors or omissions or results obtained from the use of this information. Far Miller and Washington and Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates assume no liability for action made or taken in reliance on or relating in any way to the information. This podcast and the materials contained herein were created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the authors and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates. Far Miller and Washington and Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented as to entity entity as tax or legal advice. Clients are urged to consult their tax and or legal advisor for related questions.